All right, yeah, we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for your ministering to the people in this room and how you know what we need um, when we don't, Lord. And just thank you for your hand on our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us, that we would know that we don't have to leave your presence ever. <clears throat> Lord, we just love you. I pray that you would be honored rightly tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so this message is coming to you very from a very tender place um, of really what the Lord has been speaking to me already. Self-conscious about this. Um, um, about intimacy with him and waiting on the Lord. Um, and the quiet place, which I think is a term we like throw around a lot and even make fun of maybe. Um, but I knew a guy once who emptied all the clothes and shoes out of his closet and like put them somewhere else and turned his actual closet into a prayer closet. And I was like, that's kind of weird. But then I was just like, well, that's actually really beautiful that he was like, it was so important to him that his prayer didn't get um, interrupted. Um, and just like valuing his quiet place but he knew he had a, an actual actual literal quiet place um instead of just talking about it and throwing that word around like my quiet place my secret place you know um but he made sure that he actually had one um and I didn't really realize how much of my time with the Lord was spent in corporate settings until I had a baby and until I was kind of forced into not isolation in a bad way, but like isolation. I was alone a lot, a lot more, um, even just with Lex. And when I mean alone, I mean just like at my house instead of like in public, just logistically harder to get out of the house with like a newborn or a baby or a toddler. <laughs> um, and so I, this is something that me and my friend used to talk about all the time is that like, we used to get really intense. Like if my whole family died, I'd be fine because I have the Lord. And it's like, that's true. Um, but but is it all like, was it true for me in this season? Like, no, I don't know if I would have been okay, you know, because I wasn't so much of my time with the Lord was wrapped up in, in church services or small groups or worship nights or prayer nights and not in the quiet place. Um, and so like just the Lord getting me back to this place of like, no matter what happened, you're, you're, you could lose your son, your husband could die, you could lose your mom, but you'd be okay because you have the Lord. And that is how important the Lord, that's the weight that the Lord holds in your life. Um, not that we should just be constantly thinking bad things are going to happen, but we should just be in a place where we are so surrounded by the Lord. But when things do come, um, like Pastor Reese is talking about right now, like our home is stormproofed, like we're just ready for those things because we're just in the Lord. Um, and I didn't really realize that this time alone was like a gift from the Lord. It was the Lord giving me, gifting me, like, just like <coughs> leading me back into just an intimacy with him. And I used to, like I said, I used to be really intense about that. And I didn't really realize that I had let things loosen in areas and that I started compromising in areas and not spending time with the Lord as much as I did. And I just didn't even realize it, um, that I let a lot of those areas go. And at first it's sad, like, oh, I'm missing out on so much. Like I said, I just realized what the Lord was saying all along, that, like, this is such a gift, this time with him. And no matter, I've always told myself, like, 
if I'm going through something tough, like, no, I'm going to walk through the other side. Like I'm going to, it's going to end eventually <laughs> this hard thing, whatever it is, it's going to end. Um, even if it's not a hard thing, whatever you're going through, if it's a great thing, it's going to end. And who do you want to be on the other side of it? You know, like, do I want to be like, yeah, I spent so much time with the Lord and I know him a lot better now. Or like, I just, I just hated that whole time and just wanted it to go as fast as I can. And I don't even know who the Lord is anymore. Um, so, so yeah, me initially feeling isolated turned into joy when I realized what the Lord was doing for me and then turned into gratitude. And that's kind of how the Lord works. He takes something that feels like isolation and turns it into gratitude. Um, and just kind of reignited this value of intimacy with the Lord that I, like I said, I used to be super, super intense about to the point of like, what's the worst possible thing that could happen to me? Okay, that could happen and I need to be okay, you know, and getting to that point, which I said, I don't want to just imagine bad things happening, but I do want to value intimacy with the Lord that much. Um, and so when things, I started valuing intimacy with the Lord this much, things start coming back into alignment. Um, and when things start coming back into alignment, you're doing the thing you're actually created to do. It's like when you have like, you know, I always relate it to like when you have such a bad headache and you take Advil and you finally find some relief. Like that's how I felt in my life. I was like, oh, I finally found some relief. I just spent time with the Lord. And all of a sudden, I'm doing what I was created to do again. And all of a sudden, I feel relief from these things that feel like they're closing in on me. You know, things feel like they're closing in on me. And that's not, I just want to preface, that's not like what having a baby did to me. That was a, what lack of intimacy with the Lord did to me. So it wouldn't matter what I was going through in life. If I wasn't intimate with the Lord, I would have felt isolated like this. So it was not my situation. It was how I was responding to life um and once i truly believed that god was healing like the same god that's healing like thousands of people in stadiums is like the same exact god who's standing next to you in my kitchen as like my toddler's blowing at my leg like there's literally no difference like once i believe that there's literally no difference between those gods that it is the exact same god then everything starts to change everything starts to come back into alignment and all of a sudden i'm having these encounters with the lord that he's been pulling me into this whole time and I've just been like totally shut off to it um but now all of a sudden I'm having the same encounter with the Lord that every single day that I used to only have in a stadium filled with 10,000 other people going after the Lord um I wish that didn't happen I wish that it never would have changed you know I wish I never would have separated the two they did and the Lord brought them back together um and I started realizing a lot that I cared more about being used by the Lord than I did about getting to know him and feeling like I wasn't getting used by the Lord. Um, even though that like breaks my heart because like being a mother is just like the, how much more could I be used by the Lord than mothering someone else? Um, but so one, I had a twisted <laughs> picture of what it meant to be used by the Lord because I think a lot of us maybe feel like Whatever we're doing, we're not being used by the Lord, but he is using you no matter what you're doing or he wants to be no matter what you're doing. So if you feel like you're not being used by the Lord, it's, it's, a, it's a you issue, not a him issue. Um, but I also realized, like, how can I want to be used by him if I don't even know him? That makes no sense. That's like me creating a God in my head, you know? Like, I, who am I even worshiping if I'm not deeply intimate with the Lord, then how do I work? How do I pray over someone? How do I worship? Like, I don't even know who I'm worshiping. That's like, I'm just talking to myself at that point. Like truly, 
You know, if I'm not intimate with the Lord and then I go minister over someone else, like it's not good. It's not a place I want to be. Um, so I want to talk, go to 1 Samuel 16, and we're going to talk a little bit about David. First Samuel 16, 1 through 11. So I'm going to read this real quick. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said when he arrived at Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at, and people look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse and Shema passed by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are all these, are these all the sons that you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. Um, he is tending sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will sit down until he arrives. Um, so I think a lot of us have heard the story a lot before. David tending sheep in the field, and then he gets chosen to be king. Um, and so, you know, David spent a lot of time in his life, um, not necessarily preparing to be king, but doing other things that that the Lord had called him to, you know, tending sheep, some things that didn't sound glamorous. Um, and even when it came time for him to be king, he still wasn't there. Um, like, it's not like he spent his whole life tending sheep, and then he was like, okay, it's time to go be king now. I've put in my time. I'm going to go and be considered as king. He still wasn't there. He was still in the field. He never left the field. Um and verse 12 through 13, so he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Um, so Daniel was found faithful. He was anointed as king. Um, and the spirit is the one that honored that. He was not honored by people. He was not, he spent his whole life tending sheep and doing hard work that we'll talk about in a little bit, but the spirit was the one that honored that in him. People did not honor that in him. And I think a lot of us know the story, but if not, like it, it goes on and he gets a lot of flack for, like it says, there are guys lined up that look like they should be king and David does not. He does not look like he should be king. Um, 
and it even says like people are looking at the appearances and so the spirit is the one that honored the things in David that should be king but the people still did not and it's not like people came into alignment once the Lord spoke and where people were like yeah I get it you know Samuel did because Samuel was a prophet from the Lord but um you won't like when you're when you're found faithful in something it won't necessarily be from people so we shouldn't be like I'm going to be faithful in this and you know someone is going to find me faithful but the Lord is the one that's going to find us faithful and we cannot get discouraged if not a single person finds us faithful as long as the Lord is finding you faithful it it that's it that's all we need is for the Lord to find us faithful and he will Ashton when we were praying over your sister I just felt that over you like the Lord has found you faithful and contending for your family and he will continue to find you faithful um so Fast forward through this, Sam, uh, Samuel. Um, David gets uh, appointed as king. Um, I want to skip to chapter 17, verse 26. So this is kind of going through David David and Goliath. We know this story. Um, verse 26 of chapter 17, David asked the men standing near him. So this is talking about Goliath. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Um, we'll go through verse 32. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? Then he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. When the men answered him as before, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Um, so David, you know, left leaves the sheep to come. He knows that he is the one that's supposed to fight Goliath, this Philistine, even though he's like the least physically equipped. Um, and his brother is mad. He's like, what are you doing? You don't belong here. Like, go back to your sheep. Um, and David, what's really cool about David is that he, like his priorities, um, are 100% with the Lord. Like he cares more about the Lord being honored than he does about logistics. Um, like no, nothing logistically should work out about this, but he, he truly doesn't even consider it. He literally doesn't even give it a second thought. He truly cares more that the Lord is honored. Not even that, not even that he believes that he's the one that's supposed to do it, but he says like, who is this that they think that they could defy the armies of the living God? Like he's not even, I think we just, focus on the fact that like David was the underdog and came and fought Goliath but he did it because he cared about honor like he cared about honoring the Lord and um like we see David just be faithful over and over he's faithful with the sheep and he's faithful in this battle with Goliath not because he knows that he can do it but because he he cares so much about honoring the Lord and someone in his midst is, is dishonoring the Lord and that's not okay with him and he logistically doesn't care that it shouldn't work out but he is like I'm going to do what it takes to make sure that the Lord is honored um and these voices like his brothers and you know everyone around him is saying that like you know like go back to tending sheep like you don't belong here and we cannot 
take into account what people are saying if it goes against what the Lord is saying. Like you, your life, the trajectory of your life could literally be changed if you listen to the wrong people. You know, like you have to weigh things with the Lord. And David was already so close with the Lord that it, he doesn't really spend a lot of time doing that because he already knows what the Lord is saying, you know. And so I think this starts in a place of weighing things with the Lord and sitting with things with the Lord. And the more that we do that, it moves to like, a, I automatically know that that's not from the Lord. You know, I know his voice so well. I automatically know, like David automatically knew that wasn't from the Lord. But if we don't, we like cannot be listening to people who are saying something against what God is saying. Because what, like, this is such a, like, everyone knows the story. What if, you know, this is such a huge cornerstone of a story in the Bible. And it's so simple and it's so, like, sounds so cheesy. Like David and Goliath were like, what if it never happened? You know, like, because David listen to his brothers, like his own family. And we just pray for our own families. So like obviously some of us in this room know what it's like for your own family to not be on the same page with you as the Lord. And we cannot give these voices space in our lives if they're not what the Lord is saying. Like even if it's a pastor, even if it's your leader, a friend, like we have to just know the voice of the Lord so well so we know right away when something's not him so that we like our lives continue the way that the Lord wants them to. Um, verses 34 through 37. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Um, okay, sorry, I didn't read verse 33. So David goes up to Saul and says, hey, let me fight Goliath. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So in his quote-unquote quiet place, David learned the Lord. He experienced the Lord. He trusted him. He loved him. He says all of these things that he did. He's like, while I've been, because they say, go back to tending your sheep. And he's like, okay, well, while I've been tending my sheep, these are the things that the Lord has brought up in me. And these are the things that the Lord has prepared me for. And he's just like ready. He's ready when he comes out. And What if, like, what if the, so he says, when a lion or bear came, I carried, I carried, off, oh, and carried off a sheep from the flock. I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. What if, like, you're standing here at the end of your coming out of your quiet place, and you're, like, what if that's anxiety and depression? It's like, I struck that down. The Lord struck that down in me, and I'm, I'm here free from anxiety, free from depression, ready for what the Lord has for me. You know, I'm coming out of my quiet place ready. I'm coming out of my quiet place free. I'm coming out of my quiet place knowing who the Lord is, what he sounds like, what he's doing, what he's saying. I don't have to spend a lot of time to get there because I walk out of my quiet place just knowing the Father's heart, knowing what he's going to do next, knowing where he's going to go next. And I don't have to... Um, 
I don't, I, I, I want to preface this as like, you're not, you don't come out of your quiet place once in your life and ready to go to ministry for the rest of your life. Like we see Jesus, you know, going back to be with his father, going back into a, like withdrawing from the crowds to go be with his father. So this is something we continually do just like a relationship between each other. Um, but when we come out of our quiet place, we have to know who the Lord is. You know, we are ready. We are ready not for tragedy to strike, but we're just ready to just be with the Lord. Like, like I said, how can we, how can we ask him for things if we don't even know him? <laughs> Why would you go ask a stranger for help on something? You don't know if they can help you. You don't even know if you want their help. You know, why would you ask a stranger for things? Why would you worship a stranger? You know? But if I'm coming out of my quiet place like David was after extravagantly worshiping the Lord and after learning him in and out and after watching him save me over and over again, I just know, I know who the Lord is. I know him like the back of my hand and I am one with him because of what I did when I was in that quiet place because of the ways that I let the Lord into that quiet place and created that with me and the Lord and not just me or just didn't even close the door and just let everyone into my quiet place and thought I'm not having alone time with the Lord. Like that's like, you know, it can almost be like scary of like, like, Oh, I know I've got some things I need to deal with. There's some things that I have been pushing down. And so if I truly go into this quiet place with the Lord, then it's going to be this, like, he's going to heal me and it's going to be this painful process. And it's like, no, that's so, it's such a lie. It's such a lie. Like if the Lord wants to, if you know that there's things you need to deal with that you're scared of dealing with, the Lord already knows. It's not news to him. And he has his hand on you in those times when you're in the quiet place and maybe it's painful because you're going through a healing process. But, but you're with him, you know, you're not doing that alone. So it's such a lie that like, oh, intimacy with the Lord, I'm just going to have to like deal with all these things. It's like, no, the Lord is healing those things in you. The Lord has his hand on you in the quiet place. And you will come out of the quiet place knowing who your father is and knowing, like I said, where he's going and what he's saying, what he's going to do next. And you'll just be going with him. And it's truly that simple. Like it truly just takes intimacy with the Lord. And intimacy with the Lord is like the number one, hands down, most important thing you could ever spend your time on in this world, ever. Way more than ministering. Because like I said, you can't minister if you don't even know who the Lord is. But a lot of us do anyway. It is the most important thing. In the quiet place, we commune with God and we worship like David. And we come out and say, I struck down this depression I struck down this anxiety we're not none I don't think any of this room are actually fighting bears and lions in our day-to-day -day, but we are watching the Lord heal us from from isolation and from tragedy and from anxiety and depression and all these things that we just we we come out saying the Lord struck them down the Lord struck them down I'm free of them and so I'm ready I'm ready to go with the Lord Holy Spirit had the final say in David. Like I said, it wasn't honored by people. It wasn't honored by his own family. His calling over his life wasn't even honored by his own family. But the Spirit called it out, and the Spirit honored it. And I don't want a toxic friend or an untruthful pastor or a parent who doesn't really know who the Lord is 
to be the one having a final say in my life. It has to be Holy Spirit. It has to be Holy Spirit who has a final say in my life, even though that might not feel very solid in a moment when your entire family is saying something different, you know? And to be honoring to your family, you feel like you have to make sure that you're hearing the Lord right. If you're like, you know, the Lord says honor your parents, but we have to honor him first. And he has to have the final say. And we have to know his voice so well enough that we know that we're doing the right thing, even if it's going against our friends and our family like and someone in our life that we esteem. That's how, that's when that's okay. It's because we know the Lord's voice so well. David wasn't trying to get recognized. He was just trying to get to know the Lord more. And it's really cool that he did get recognized because we learn a lot from David in his life and his worship. Um, but like I said, getting to know the Lord is much more important than getting used by the Lord. Um, and something the Lord has shown me recently in the last several months is that like, the Lord is my reward. Because there's been a lot of, like, my life has been more mundane than it ever has been, which I said is, like, a great gift to me. There have been times in my life where I'm like, I wish my life was mundane. And it is right now. And it's such a gift. And we have, like, me and Miller have, like, such a routine of, like, waking up, getting his milk, starting breakfast, worshiping, and the things we pray for every single day that things we make a list of what we're thankful for that day and then we go on a walk you know we just do the same thing every single day and the Lord has shown me that like he is my reward that doesn't seem like a very earth-shattering life to live but it's been such a sweet time with the Lord of him showing me that like his presence is my reward you know a huge sold-out stadium ministry time is not my reward but his presence is and, and there's nothing, there's literally nothing better that I could do than his presence. And, and times when my life is crazy, you know, his presence is still my reward. I know none of you in here have a, a kid right now and none of you are a stay-at-home mom right now. Um, but like literally whatever you're doing, if you were away at college and you have just an amazing college life and you're just in ministry nights and surrounded by people who are going after the Lord and then you go home and your family is not that. The Lord is your reward in those mundane. Like the Lord is your reward. The Lord is your reward. Like he, we are worthy to live a more rich life because of what he did for us. Like we're worthy of that. We like beat ourselves up so much, but like we're worthy to live a life rich with the Holy Spirit rich with intimacy with the Lord. And like, when's the last time you just spent an hour or even like 30 minutes just alone in worship, just singing alone in worship, or is your only worship corporate? And like, what more could corporate worship be if that first you're in that quiet place and then you come out of that quiet place like David, just ready to worship, you know? What more could it be if, if every single person on a Sunday morning, instead of coming to church from a busy place is coming to church from the quiet place instead of going to the quiet place after church because of their convictions or the sermon, you know, but what if we're all coming to church from the quiet place? And like right now our house is kind of falling apart. 
like our basement flooded we have a ripped apart bathroom we have multiple appliances that need to be replaced both of our cars just broke down um like you name it paint roof deck literally it's just a train wreck and i don't really feel like at ease in our house right now because everything's broken i have to like put shoes on and shoe covers to walk into my basement because it's flooded so i can do the laundry still it's just like a mess and i just feel like ugh. and but the lord like immediately spoke to me like that's the state of your internal body too where the lord's not at ease in you and the lord has to like watch his step in you to not step on toxic sewage that is you haven't tended to you know and like reese's message like i hadn't sat in a church service since um easter because miller kept getting sick and then i got sick and all just some like everything just kept happening and i just was like missing church and hence why the lord just met me but um outside of church but reese's message is right now of like storm proofing your house and tending to your home have just really spoken to me of like and so i started guys this sounds so crazy I literally started asking the Lord, okay, like our water heater broke. What in me is the water heater? What's broken that I need to fix? And I started just asking the Lord, okay, what is this? What, like I want to tend to my home. My home was in such shambles and my internal home was in such shambles. I need to tend to it. I need to storm proof it. I need to get, I need to fix these things so that the Lord is at home in me. So that the Lord is not like, oh, that's broken. I need to walk over here and I can't use the dishwasher and that is, Flood, flooded sewage water I need to step over that and just like is he at home in me is he at rest in me is he comfortable in me is that my internal state or is my internal state in shambles like my house is and so Lex I'm really sorry if I caused all of these things to go wrong in our house the Lord is trying to teach me something but it will all be worth it um because he is our reward but I joke but I'm also like did I, is the really Lord trying to teach me something? This is crazy. All the things that are going wrong is crazy, but the Lord is also providing for us. Um, so, I mean, it, there's things in my relationship with the Lord that I, I didn't build to, to, what's the, to stand the test of time. Like my foundation with the Lord. If I stole it from someone else, if I said, oh, they said that about the Lord, I never actually even read that in the Bible. I just took it for what, for, took their word as my own and built my own relationship with the Lord just based on, just based on Bethel's sermons. And I don't actually read the Bible for myself. That does not stand the test of time. I love Bethel. I love Brian Johnson or Bill Johnson. I'm not saying that, but like, where do you think they're, faith comes from from the quiet place you know it doesn't just come from someone else to someone else to someone else to someone else it has to come from the quiet place or else it will not stand the test of time and so if i have built my relationship with the lord my foundation of of the lord's goodness which happened in my life um tragedy struck and i was like shoot i don't know i know in my head the lord's good but i really don't feel it in my heart right now i was in nepal in this devastating earthquake and like ten thousand people died and i just was looking around like there's no water there's people just dead literally dead on the street and I'm just like whoa like can I sit here and look someone in the eyes right now and say that I believe with my whole heart that the Lord is still good and that shook me a little bit and I was like dang then then where did where did things go wrong what did I build that foundation on that hasn't stood the test of time oh someone else just 
told me, and I never actually asked the Lord to show me his goodness. I literally just have to ask him. I literally just have to spend time with him, and I will quickly learn the Lord's goodness. So I have to value intimacy with the Lord more than anything else in my life. But it is the best thing that I could possibly spend my time on. And I have to tend to my home. I have to tend to the things in me so that the Lord is comfortable in me. I have to get things fixed and clean things out and get rid of things and make sure that my home is a place worthy for a king. Be worthy for the Lord himself. Like he's literally a king. He's a king that cares so deeply about his people that he'll come and meet them in a stable on a dark night with um, animals and hay and poop and bring the light of the world. He'll meet you in the depths. He'll meet you on the mountaintops. And he's a king. He's a king. He's coming down to be with his people. And I need to make sure that I'm giving him a place worthy for a king. And I need to be willing to wait on the Lord. I have to be willing to wait on the Lord. I heard a story once uh, recently. Um, Benny Hinn was in a Catherine Coleman service. I don't know if you know these names, but Benny Hinn is still, Catherine Coleman um, is not alive anymore. And she was this amazing, just hero of the faith, if I can use that word. Um, and um, Benny Hinn is still alive today. And he um, is a pastor, has been a pastor for a very long time. And he was in one of her meetings when he was younger. And um, she came on the stage and she just demanded everyone to be silent. And, you know, it was like a, a stadium, auditorium. I don't know what this stadium. I don't know. Um, tons and tons of people there. And so, you know, trying to get every single person in a massive arena, I guess, to be silent. Like she, but she was not, but she was like, nope, every single, not a word, not a word, not a word until every single mouth in that place was silent. And he, Benny, and when he's telling the story, he says that you could see like someone in front of him whispering something. Um, he couldn't even hear him whispering but Catherine Coleman knew he was talking because she was like not a word for the Holy Spirit not a word we need to be silent before the Lord and every single every single person in that room was silent and then the Holy Spirit blew through and people were just knocked down and everyone was just encountered by the Lord and so Penny and went and tried that in one of his services and he said well if it works for Catherine Coleman and he but he didn't do it just for something cool to happen. He did it because he saw the reverence that when we're just when we wait before the Lord, when we realize that me talking is not as important as waiting on the Lord and being silent before the Lord, that's when there's room for him to move. And same thing happened in Benny's service when he did that. And so we have to be willing to wait on the Lord. And we have to be willing to be still. We've like conditioned ourselves to not be still. I am literally practicing being still. Like what I mean is like I sat on our couch and looked out the window for 10 minutes and didn't do anything else because I am like, I have to learn how to be still. And not just like, oh, I just, I just go, go, go. I just always am doing something as like a 
pride, a badge of pride, a badge of honor for like, I just do so much. Not like that, but like, like my mind and my spirit have to be still, you know, I'm not talking about just like cancel plans and stay home. Um, like Lex hates how I watch TV because I always have to have like the background noise. Like, you know, there's just like, I don't even watch it. It's just on in the background and I'm cleaning. But it's like, I have to teach my mind, remind my mind and my spirit how to be still. Um, like, if I'm just always, if I'm not, I'm not listening to the Lord. You know, I have to be, I have to be still. I have to be quiet and know that like him, my words don't really do very much. You know, like even if you've been struggled with that, like speaking tonight, like my words don't do very much. I have to be still and I have to wait on the Lord so that he can come in, not so that I can just speak and go further. And Lex has talked about this before, like coming out of the quiet place, like you should smell like the Lord. Wherever you go, you should smell like the Lord, like Moses coming down from the mountain and his face was glowing. You could tell that he had been with the Lord. He was, his face was glowing. He smells like the Lord. Going beyond, like, sounding like him and doing what he's doing. But I smell like him. I look like him. I'm glowing. My face is glowing. There are people, that guys, that have gold on their hands after worship. Gold dust. That actually happens. It's happened to me once. One time. It actually happens. You can tell you've been with the Lord. So I'll wrap up here. You hear one thing tonight. Nothing in this world is more important. There's no more important thing you could ever spend your time on than intimacy with the Lord. Nothing ever, ever. And coming to him with no agenda but just to get to know him. Like, of course, he says, like, pray without ceasing with all kinds of prayers and requests. He does say that. Um, but how can you ask him for something if you don't know him? Why would you Why would you ask him for something if you don't know him? He already knows what you need. You don't need to come to him just when you need something. He already knows. I don't want him to ever lift his hand from me. And I don't want to go a single day in my life without being brought to my knees thinking about how much he loves me and what he's done for me and who he is. We just trampled over him and made him just like, we just made him something he's not. And we drug his name through the mud and we have to just, we just have to go into that prayer closet and close the door literally and just be alone with the Lord until our face is glowing, until we look like him, until we smell like him, until he has slain down everything in us that has come against us, until our home looks like a brand new home, fit for a king, and then we can open that door and come out of the quiet place. That's how we should be coming into ministry. I understand. I come weary and broken down sometimes. I get that. Things are hard. And I know that the Lord values community so much. And he values the church. He values the corporate church. And he values corporate worship. Of course he does. But it was never meant to be. It was never meant to be what we have made it. It was never meant to be, I come here to get fixed. 
I go to the quiet place to look like the Lord, to come out, to be in ministry with my brothers and sisters while all of our faces are already glowing. How different of a picture would church look? How different would work and friendships and community actually look if we're all coming from the quiet place, not like, oh, I need to go back to the quiet place. Does that make sense? Lord, I pray that you would be honored tonight. I pray that anything that I say that you're not saying, Lord, that it would just fall on deaf ears. And I pray that we would see you rightly, who you truly are, Lord. And I pray that you would stir every single person's heart in this room to just spend time with you alone. And Lord, that the things like looming over us like the broken, the flooded basements and the broken water heaters, Lord, that it wouldn't be intimidating, it wouldn't be scary to approach those things because we know that you already know how to heal them, that you already have started, Lord, that you already have your hand on it. And all we need to do is just come to this quiet place and just wait on you. Lord, I pray that um, you would just give each one of us just a grace to just be still be quiet and to be still and to wait and to wait. To tend to our sheep, to tend to our fields, wherever we are, Lord, with faithfulness and with steadfastness. Knowing that you are also there and that that is our reward, Lord. I just pray that this will just sink down into us the value of intimacy with you, that we wouldn't value anything more and that you would forgive us for the things that we have valued more, Lord. I pray that you would just rewire our brains to think the way that you want them to think, Lord, to think the way that you created us, that you created us to be in community with you. And I pray that we would stop at nothing less than communion with you, with our Father. God, we love you so much. Please be glorified in this room. Please be seen rightly in this room. Please be honored how you deserve to be. Whatever is hindering that, I pray that you would break it now. Have any thoughts? I don't think. <laughs> no, I think not. Thanks, guys. It's been a really long time since. Probably two years.